Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're on the air with Trisha Adams live, and you are listening to another episode of Discussing Life's Difficult Topics with Patricia E. Adams live. On this show, we know that life is hard. We know that difficulties in life have no boundaries in regards to age, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, economic situations, or geography. Sometimes near-death experiences and health, finances, family, and spirituality cause traumas. And these traumas happen. And when they happen, it's up to us to choose to respond in a way that we are victorious. Because there are many ways to respond to a situation. But the response that will get you to the place of victory is the one that I prefer to direct people towards. How we choose to react, well, it's up to you. How you respond and how you persist. Sometimes it's comfortable to stay in that situation because it's familiar. And sometimes when we do that, we get stuck in that time frame. It's like we live in that moment. And each additional injury, each additional trauma, we live and we recycle, and those become the scars of our souls, our hearts, our minds, our spirit. Everything around us is wounded and it becomes familiar. And when it becomes familiar and you become comfortable with that familiarity is when you know that you have allowed it to become your permanent mindset. And for it to become your permanent mindset, it will transform you into a position of being a permanent full-time victim. 
Now, there are many things and many places and many ways that you can go about living out that permanent full-time position as a victim. But I'm hoping that as a result of anything that is aired on this broadcast, that it shines some light to empower you, to inspire you, to strengthen you, to motivate you, to encourage you, to provoke you, to come out and move into a new frame of mind and reference. Even if you're in the midst of it, still change your mindset, change how you think about the situation. It is not something that cannot be overcome. You have to believe that it can be overcome. You want to overcome it in a way that you are the victor and at the same time you are safe, you are are secure, and you're able to find a place of peace no matter how small that place is. It's a place of peace because Peace will multiply itself once you start operating in peace and you start to learn how to take the chaos that's going on inside of you and around you and change the atmosphere by changing your mind because changing your mind changes your reaction. Changing your heart changes your mind and that changes your reaction. To do nothing is detrimental. Do something. But again, it's up to you. Your health, your finances, your family, and your spirituality, and every aspect of your life can be traumatized through personal experiences or through you having witnessed experiences. I can remember where I was when 9-11 occurred, and I can remember all of the different tragedies that have happened in my lifetime that have been just horrendous didn't happen to me personally because I wasn't there physically, but I was there emotionally. I was there spiritually. I was there mentally. And those things can set up traumas inside of us, and we have to find that place of peace for us so that we can move beyond what just happened, so that we can find healing. Oftentimes when the brain is injured, it itself will pretty much shut down because it's trying to recover, it's trying to heal. And you'll find yourself having your brain rewired because your brain automatically will start to rewire itself so that the most injured part of itself can recover from the trauma. This is why people talk about having short-term memory loss, not remembering certain things, specific things. And it's still up to you as to what you think about yourself, what you think about the situation, what you think about the other parties, all of that, it's up to you. Sometimes it's hard to see when you're in the midst of the storm and when you're in the chaos and you wonder, am I going to make it out of this? Am I going to survive this? Am I going to come through this? Um, will it ever be better? It's up to you. So we like to interview guests who have personally been impacted or witnessed 
something that was traumatic or difficult to comprehend, to overcome, to move on from, we are constantly looking for not content, but for things that will provoke you, inspire you, motivate you, empower you, and cause you to make a paradigm shift in your life, to move out of the neighborhood of being a victim and into the neighborhood of being a survivor and out of that neighborhood into the neighborhood of being an overcomer. Sometimes we're impacted by health issues, we're impacted by childhood issues, we're impacted by physical issues, emotional issues, financial issues, family issues, um, work issues, anything that you can think of that you've been traumatized by. So many of us are wounded and have been wounded, and sometimes we wound other people. And sometimes the wounded become prey for the predators to continue to wound and inflict. But I know this one thing, that if you are listening today and you are breathing and you can think a thought, if it's not but one thought, I'd like for you to think it's up to me. It's up to me how I respond, how I live this out, how I receive what's happening to me and become empowered, become a change agent for your life. And think about what will it take for me to become a change agent in my life? What do I have to do? What do I have to sacrifice? What do I have to give up? All of that is something that it's, again, a few. I've talked to people on this program who have had physical traumas, near-death experiences, uh, near-death experiences in their families, all types of situations where people are exposed to violence, they're exposed to sexual abuse, physical abuse, and neglect, rape, and domestic violence, and sometimes it becomes a cycle. It becomes a cycle. And you have to be willing to change from that. You have to be willing to move from the neighborhood of being a victim. And, and I just like to say that it's, it's a transition. It's a transition in your life, like a butterfly is transitioning. You're transitioning in your life. You are a victim. You've been victimized. You're recorded as a statistic if you've reported anything or it's been reported for you. And then now you've survived the event. Now, surviving the event with the mindset of a victim will keep you in that event. But when you choose to survive so that you can thrive and you can heal and you can come forth and move through and past the event, then you move into becoming an overcomer. I don't know what you're going through or what you're facing right now. At this very moment, this somewhere around the world, all over the world, this program is being listened to wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever situation, whatever circumstance you're in. If you can remain focused on 
if I can just make it through this moment, then I can make it through the next moment. Sometimes your mind has to be told second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, repeatedly, consistently, constantly, over and over again that it's up to me. I can do this. I can make it. Hold on. Because this too will change. But the only person who can change it is you. And in order for you to see change, you have to stay alive. You have to be alive to participate in being the change agent of your life and your circumstances. So I want to thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast. And we are going to be discussing a book by Jim McCarthy. And Jim has been a graduate from Stanford with an MBA. He's had a successful career in Silicon Valley. But due to a cancer diagnosis, Jim suddenly had to change his life, forcing him to ask questions such as, how much longer will I live? What do I need to do to repair in my relationships? How can I use my work to help others? And what, after all, would make me happy? Since then, Jim basically has spent his years studying the latest in neuroscience and psychology and effort to understand what helps people thrive with abundant pleasure, purpose, and peace. His conclusion, happiness is a skill you can develop. What qualifies Jim to do this? Jim has worked as an English teacher in Frankfurt. He's been a business journalist in Madrid, a phone salesman in the Bay Area, and a McKinsey consultant in Munich. After earning his MBA at Stanford in 1996, he spent almost 20 years in executive roles at pioneering Silicon Valley companies such as Yahoo, where he was employee number 258. On February 5, 2013, his doctor called him up and told him he had cancer. He's grateful to say that his health these days seems good, but the experience of receiving this diagnosis forced him to face his mortality and think hard about his legacy. Jim believes everyone should enjoy abundant pleasure, purpose, and peace in their careers and their lives. His talks aren't just inspirational. Participants take away practical strategies, science-based insights, and daily action plans to lower their stress, boost their confidence, and create their happiness. Uh, Jim's social media is http colon forward slash forward slash jimmccarthy.com. On LinkedIn, he is Jim McCarthy MBA. On Facebook, he is Jim McCarthy on happiness. On Instagram, he is Jim McCarthy on happiness. On Twitter, he is Jim McCarthy MBA. And he is also on Amazon with his book entitled Live Each Day. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about his book. I'm not going to give away the book and because I really, really believe that you will get a lot out of it if you purchase this book. It's available also in Kindle format. But I am going to go over some of the chapters in Jim's book. And he starts out, basically, if you go to jimmccarthy.com, you can get chapter one for free. All you do is go to https 
colon forward slash forward slash forward slash excuse me Jim McCarthy J I M M C C A R T H Y dot com. Enter your first name and your email address and click submit, and you will get your chapter one of Live Each Day for free. So this is a must read for people who are seeking to find more pleasure and purpose in their life at any age. If you can read, then this is something that you definitely want to pick up and acquire in the Kindle store or get the copy from Amazon.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to Patricia Adams Live. And we're going to start out with Chapter 1. And Jim says, happiness is a skill that you can develop. Happiness is a skill that you can develop. I never thought about happiness being a skill. I don't know why I never thought about that, but it says happiness is a skill that you can develop. So when you think about that, how do you develop happiness? How do you develop this skill? How do you go from being traumatized to moving into happiness? Because he says in his book that basically you can find happiness You can develop the skill of happiness in the midst of the crisis that you're in. Now, once again, I'm not denying that because he's lived it. He has said that he is basically going forward and he is doing workshops and he's teaching people how to develop the skill and he's also himself operating and functioning in it. This is something that I am going to definitely be doing. He has a lot of master classes that he offers and workshops that he teaches, but he also has a lot of activities in his book that he asks you to do. Matter of fact, it's a total of 31 activities that he walks you through and asks you to complete. So when he says um, in his TED Talk, November 18th, November 2018, he did a TED Talk in Oakland, California, and he delivered the talk called What Cancer Taught Me About Happiness. And it's available on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, you can search on Jim McCarthy, but you can also search on What Cancer Taught Me About Happiness. It's a TEDx talk he gave November 2018. And he said that he is focused on teaching people how to find the joy and living each day, finding the joy. So he goes around the country, and he teaches happiness workshops, happiness workshops. And he's presented them to corporate America, both in the U.S. and internationally. And he says that his talks aren't just inspirational, that he provides the participants with takeaways, that are proven strategies, science-based insights, and daily practices to lower their stress, boost their confidence, and find greater meaning. And the ultimate aim of helping each person design their own path to happiness. I've never heard this presented this way. I know that if we go back and we look at some historical documentation, I do know that it exists, but in terms of bringing it forward into our society today, is that we can develop the skill set of being happy, that it's possible for us to do that, and that he starts out, let's go on to 
uh, skipping over to part one. His purpose was decide what you want to do. This is in chapter seven. I mean, I'm sorry, not in chapter seven, but it's part one. And it says purpose, decide what you want to do. Remember I said originally on this show, we tell you that it's up to you. It's up to you. So now you have to make a quality decision on what you want to do. He talks about living your life as if you do have cancer. You don't have cancer, but living your life, and, and so let's, let's just take it and just say, okay, living your life as if you are being told that today is the day that you're going to die. Every time that you wake up, Live your life as if today is the day that you've been told that you're going to die. Say the doctor has told you that, but every day you wake up and you're still alive. So having that kind of mindset says that you're going to maximize that day. You're going to do everything possible that you can in that day to bring about a change in your life to find yourself where you have purpose, you find peace, you find passion, you find power, you find joy, you find whatever it is that you need to find, however you need to find it. If you, um, there is a Benedictine priest, Brother David, that says, stop, look, and go. He did a Super Soul Sunday talk, stop, look, and go, stop, look, and go. He says, you know, stop, look around you, look at the trees, look at the flowers, listen to the birds before you do anything, just stop. Just stop, gather your thoughts, and look around you and admire whatever beauty you can find. Look at it. Take it in. Think about yourself in perspective and in the position of the day. I'm looking around right now. And I see blades of grass, I see trees, I see animals moving about, I see a light breeze blowing through the trees, I see buildings, I see cars, I see people in motion, and I'm a part of this picture. And everybody has something that they're working on, something that they're doing, someplace that they're going so now I'm going to go, but with the thought of this is the day that I've been presented with, and I need to live in this day as if I won't get any more days. What is it that I need to do today? What is it that I need to accomplish? What is it that is on my heart? Some things I can't accomplish at the moment, but I can take little pieces. I can take small steps towards accomplishing that. And there's an adage that says, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you do conquer anything one piece at a time? There's a squirrel that's crossing to come and find something to eat. There's a bird flying in the air looking for something to eat. All of nature is busy pursuing life finding their happiness is finding the resources that they're pursuing. Whatever it is that you need to pursue today, pursue it 
as if tomorrow is not there. There is a scripture in the Bible, and I refer often to the Bible here, is that take no thought for tomorrow because sufficient is the day. I'm paraphrasing. Sufficient is the day. So if we can stay in the moment, stay in the here and the now, and think about today and what can we get out of today and what above that, what can we contribute to today? What can we get out of it, but what can we place in today that will make this a historical moment for us, a historical time for us? So moving on to saying that if you can imagine your death day, I've done that, and all I can say is that it's sometime in the future for me, sometime in the future. It's, it's not here now, but if for some reason that it was today, would I be okay with how I've lived today? Am I okay with the way that I am moving through this day? I've stopped. I've observed what's going on around me. I'm looking at it, and I'm on the move. I'm leaving a footprint, whether I am consciously aware of it or unconsciously aware of it. I'm leaving a footprint today, and so are you. So the process takes practice. And your relationships, your family, your friends, and your community, apply all of this with your family, your friends, and your community. And this is interesting because as I'm saying family, friends, and community, there's a a family of squirrels running back and forth. And they're now where there was one, now there's two. And they are pursuing what it is that they need for today to bring them happiness. And if that means that they are out here storing up for tomorrow, then that's what they're doing. Or if they're just coming out to get what they need for today, they are doing it. They're, they're going, they're stopping, they're looking, and they're going. So these are things that have been programmed, and now another bird has just landed, and they are stopping, looking, and going after what it is that they need for today. Stop, look, and go. It's up to you. Then kindness. Everybody needs somebody to be kind to, somebody to be kind to them. And maybe you aren't getting kindness right now, but there's somebody somewhere who has a kind word that may just walk by you and say, hi, good afternoon, good morning, how are you today? Uh, It's good to see you, shake your hand, pat you on your shoulder. And any act of kindness that you can give, any act of kindness that you can receive helps you to repair yourself, helps you to heal, helps you to move through the traumas that are going on around you. Then don't be so caught up in yourself that you can't have compassion for others. Sometimes people are so self-absorbed and so self-centered that all they want is what's beneficial for them. But in the midst of your storm and in the midst of your trial and your circumstances and your situations, have some compassion for someone else, okay? Then reach out into your community. What can you do in your community? while you're in the midst of whatever trauma you're in, whatever diagnosis 
that has been giving you whatever situation is going on in your life, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, what can you do in your community that will cause you to have compassion towards something or someone else, something that you are passionate about, volunteering, donating, doing something, going by and just for just an hour to help somebody or just drop in at some place where you know, I don't know if you have children in school and maybe you just want to go and volunteer at the school or maybe you just want to go and volunteer at a geriatric center or go sign up to volunteer somewhere at a hospice, just something else to take you outside of yourself because the more that you are focused on yourself and what's going wrong and what's not right and what's causing you pain, it's hard sometimes to breathe. It's hard to think. It's hard to 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 stay above the 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 chaos. But stepping outside of yourself and seeing somebody else who needs some help or needs something or something that you can do. No, if it's fifteen minutes of your time, just do something outside of yourself that's not about yourself for some somebody else, some other cause. Maybe it's a donation. Maybe just give a donation to something, some organization, um, something outside of yourself. To live long and be kind is a part of Jim's philosophy as well. The wisdom that comes with age. And if you ask yourself, what is community? What What is community about. I don't have a community. Well, hello. Walk outside. Stop. Look around you. What do you see in front of you? Is is there something that could need your attention right in front of you? Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your family member. Maybe it's somebody at the gas station who doesn't have enough money to get gas and you give them enough money to get gas, somebody who needs food and you give them enough money to get food, something. That's your community. Your community is any time that you go and you connect with somebody else other than yourself that is not um, immediately a part of your personal circle, your family, you step outside of that in. And maybe there's somebody in your personal circle who needs your help in some kind of way, some shape, form, or fashion. But community is where you go, where you find it, where you make it. Again, it's up to you. So Jim also discusses loneliness by gender, how men and women deal with loneliness. We don't all deal with it the same. So what a woman may do in her response might be to gender, might be um, to loneliness, may go out and shop. Um, whereas a man's response to loneliness is to just to go somewhere and just withdraw or just, you know, find some place where they can just hide themselves away from what's going on. Sometimes women do that as well. But I just encourage you to purchase this book and find out what he has to say. Compassion at work. Sometimes it's hard to be compassionate at work. 
but find a way. Maybe you stop by one day and you pick up some donuts, you pick up some cookies, you pick up some drinks, some juice, something, and just bring it and set it at your desk and let people come by and get it. No strings attached. Just showing some compassion for somebody, doing something else, spreading the compassion. That's community. That's being a part of the community, your work community, your church community, something, anything that is outside of yourself. Now, when he talks about in Chapter 3 about work, it says, you know, if you were on your deathbed, how would you be viewing the work that you've done, maybe the work that you want to do, and maybe the work that um, you wish you had have done? Does your work bring you meaning? But if it doesn't, he, he uses a phrase of screw your job and define your calling. A lot of us are doing jobs because it's economics, but to find a job where you are fulfilled and you are passionate about the vision, mission, and goal of the company or the organization is when you are doing your calling. If you're just doing your job for the paycheck, then it's not really a true calling in a lot of ways. If you don't wake up and feel like, you know, excited and happy to go to work, then you haven't quite leaned into your calling. What does this world need from you? This world right now needs a whole lot, a whole lot. And you're just one person, but that one person can make a huge difference. You don't know what impact you can have on the world until you decide to do something, to apply yourself to. Find out what your non-negotiables are and use those to overcome the need for FOMO. You want more of everything. You're comparing yourself to other people. But what are your non-negotiables that are things that are necessary, needful for you? Not the ladies, uh, the latest, greatest, not the latest, greatest of anything. Finding that place of contentment within yourself and being okay with where you are, not saying complacent. There's a huge difference between contentment and complacency. As long as you're in a situation and you're pursuing and you're trying to improve yourself and you're trying to move and do better by yourself, and the people around you, then you are doing something to make a change. You're doing something that moves you a little bit closer out of being the victim and into the survivor and then into the overcomer. But you have to know what's non-negotiable, what are just absolute deal breakers, and set those as your boundaries and make sure that you keep those boundaries in force. So ask yourself, what would it take? What would it take for me to live each day happy? What do I need to be happy each day? And if it's something that is in somebody else's hands, then you've given away your power, and you need to get your power back. There are limits on what money can do for you. And this may or may not be something that resounds or, you know, comes out of Jim's book. But every time I speak,
think about that. I think about Steve Jobs. He was absolutely wealthy. I know other people who have had great wealth, but when it came time for them to battle against a life-threatening illness, their money could not save them. It didn't, nobody was trying to stuff money into um, coffins or caskets or anything because they can't use it after they're gone. Whether they get buried, whether they get cremated, there is no place for money in the grave. Whether you bury them, toss them out at sea, whatever you do, you can't take money with you. So what can money do for you right now? The limits of money and what can it do for you right now and today, not tomorrow, but in today, the money that you need, what can it do for you today? What can you do with the money for yourself, for somebody else, for your community? What would you do? So how to spend your money to buy happiness is a part of Chapter 3 of Jim's book. He talks about writing about your work, about facing your fate with love. Then he goes on to um, tell us in another part of his book, um, think long-term so you'll have no regrets. And in part two of chapter three, he says, what is happiness? What is happiness? And I'm going to come back to that, but I want to just kind of go through and just highlight his titles and the things that he's talking about. In chapter four, he's building a framework for happiness, asking yourself the question, are you happy? If you are happy, how happy are you? What would make you happier? And then he says, okay, here's a framework for happiness. Now it's time to balance your pleasure and your purpose and finding the right balance, happiness, unhappiness, and suicide. I'll tell you, suicide is not an option. It's absolutely not an option because there are no do-overs. There's no other chance. There's nothing else that you can do. Then in Chapter 5, he has developed a matrix, and he calls it the McCarthy Happiness Matrix. Low pleasure and low purpose is a part of it. High pleasure and low purpose. Low pleasure and high purpose. High pleasure and high purpose. And a feeling of awe and experiencing the flow. It's when you're in that moment, in that time, and everything is synchronized and it's congruent and it's, and it's moving. So I'm going to come back and touch some more on that. But again, we're moving on to chapter six. How much of your happiness do you really control? And in part three, he talks about the presence. And in chapter seven, he lists the serenity prayer. And in chapter 8, he says, beware the comparing mind. If only I had what my sister has, if only I had what my brother had, if only I had what my boss had, if only I had what the pastor had, if only I had this, if only I had this, if only I had that, if I had this situation and this situation in my life. Don't compare because it does not bring you happiness. And why is it hard? us to avoid the comparing mind. Why is it that we struggle 
with not comparing ourselves to others. So there's an alternative path. And if you hope that the comparing mind will lessen with age, when you're 70, 75, and 80, huh, will you think about things the same way you think about them at 18 and 21 and 25 and 40 and 30 and 50 and 60? In chapter 9, he encourages us to enjoy the journey that we're on. Don't say, I'll be happy only when. You have to carve out a piece of happiness for yourself right here, right now, so that you don't suffocate, so that you don't drown in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. Find something to hold on to because it's hope, hope. Don't cast away your hope. You need hope for everything in life. In chapter 9, again, he says, the impact bias and the hedonic adaptation, and instead enjoy your journey. And then he talks about what stress is, what is it, and can you have it all? Yes, you can, just not at the same time. And then there's a bucket list for mindfulness. He, he speaks about mindfulness, and for me, that translates into gratitude, having a grateful heart, having an appreciative heart. No matter what you're going through, where you are, there's something to be grateful for. I heard a young man um, recite some poetry, and he said, the breath that you're breathing at any moment could be snatched away from you. Have you been thankful for the breath that you're breathing this morning? That's a good place for happiness. I am. I hope you are. So come up with a list of things that you're grateful for. But then come up with a list of things that you want to accomplish today. Let's let's not even borrow from tomorrow right now, but Come up with a list of things that you want to accomplish today. I don't care if you put down, I need to go pay bills, I need to do this, I need to do it. But in the, in the midst of that, put down something that you want to do for yourself, something that you want to do for yourself. Looking backwards and forwards at the same time, you know, the, I, I'm just going to say for me, it's like when you're in your car and you're looking ahead and you're looking in the rearview mirror, that to me is like looking backwards and forwards at the same time, but sometimes um, we get so caught up in looking backwards that it affects our ability to look to look forward. And I can speak to that because definitely trauma is like that. Trauma keeps you looking backwards. Trauma keeps you reflecting on that. But if you heal from that trauma, sometimes reflecting on where you've been will keep you from repeating it and make you aware of what's going on around you and cause you to be more effective and what I call taking the responsibility for preventing trauma, future trauma, and current trauma. Because if you know that at a certain time of night you shouldn't be walking alone or you shouldn't be here in a certain place, especially if something has happened to you as a result of you being out at a certain time of night or whatever, um, then you would be 
remiss in not saying, okay, you know, lesson learned. I should not put myself in a position to possibly become victimized again. There's just certain things that you have to take responsibility for your life, for your actions, and for the things around you. You have to be responsible for yourself. Okay? So unhappy endings. He goes on in Chapter 10 and talks about forgiving because forgiving is for your liberty, for your freedom. I'm saying this. And because otherwise, then unforgiveness is like having two prisoners. And you have made yourself a prisoner of that person. You've bound yourself to that person permanently for as long as you continue to hold unforgiveness. There is a passage, again, I'm referring back to the Bible, where people, when they would murder someone, and and it's not specifically like this, I'm just expounding on it. When someone killed someone, they would take that person's dead body and they would tie it to the person who murdered them. And they would have to walk around with this decaying, rotting body until that stench in the body itself overtook them and killed them. Basically, they died from being tied to this dead body. Unforgiveness is just like that. It will kill you. It it will kill you through your thoughts, and your thoughts begin to affect your health, begin to affect your wealth, your mind. Everything around you becomes toxic and because you're operating in unforgiveness. You're operating in bitterness and hatred and malice, and you become toxic to yourself. And those people and situations and circumstances that you refuse to forgive become toxic to you. And it does change you. It changes you. It changes you on a cellular level. And you begin to experience different types of diseases. And if you think about disease as dis-ease, something that has uh, come upon you to bring you discomfort, to make you miserable, disease is that. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes you miserable. And unforgiveness will change you cellularly. And you must unshackle yourself by forgiving. Not because you feel like it, but forgiveness is something that you do. You do it so you are not bound to that person, that situation, that circumstance. You do not become a prisoner to them or to that situation. So there's many places you have to forgive at work, bad bosses, bad coworkers, bad um, situations, bad anything, no matter where it is, work, church, home, in the community, wherever you are, whoever it is, whatever situation or circumstance it is, unlock the cup and let it go. Let them go. Let that go. And he talks about practicing forgiveness, reaching out for forgiveness, if you know that you've harmed somebody and they need to be asked, will you forgive me? Some people won't forgive you no matter what you do. They, they will not forgive you. But at least you have asked for forgiveness and you said, I apologize for what I've done. What I said 
what I should have done, what I didn't do, whatever, that releases you from that person. Now, them holding on to it only makes them the prisoner walking around with the cuffs. You don't have the cuffs on you, okay? So forgive yourself, forgive others, not because you feel like it, but, but because you need to be free. And forgive, offer forgiveness, and seek forgiveness. Then have a mindset for resilience and growth. That means that you don't become complacent and you stick and stay in situations and circumstances. You become resilient and you find a way through it. And then you grow from what you've been through. And hopefully you don't repeat it again and it doesn't become a vicious cycle in your life. So in Chapter 11, he talks about embracing equanimity. Uh, part four, he gives you practices on that. And in Chapter 12, he talks about meditation, how to keep calm and be at peace. And for me, I still reflect on this from a spiritual perspective myself, is that whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, think on these things. So he takes you through what he has practiced, meditation, how to keep calm and be at peace. And he starts out, first thing, you will be doing absolutely nothing. And number two, meditation gains have been documented scientifically. I know that they have. Um, And then he offers in number three, um, step three of chapter 12, Meditation practice uh, and meditation's immediate benefits, and he asks you to pick a practice. Okay, and then in number six, he says you might be wondering, but in the meantime, keep calm, be at peace, minute by minute, second by second, day by day. How you respond is up to you. You can't control other people, but you can control how you respond. Chapter 13, affirming yourself. Train your brain for success. Success on every level. Waking up, stopping, looking before you go. Take in the day. Think about what it is and how you're going to fit into the history of the day. And then dealing with your negativity bias. Some people, when you tell them the truth, they say it's negativity. Some people think um, pessimistic thoughts, and that creates a negativity bias in so many different ways. But sometimes the truth becomes a negative because people often don't like the truth. How do you overcome your negativity bias? Do you have any enduring insights um, that he talks about, the latest neuroscience? If you're suffering from anxiety, please do affirmations. And what do you want to affirm in yourself? Are you bad at names? And in Chapter twenty. Three, he still says he's sharing some affirmations that he's created for himself. And he says, 
meditation and affirmations are both, are, are you going to just choose to do meditation or affirmations or both? I personally would choose to do both. Self-talk, talking to myself, affirming myself in the midst of whatever it is that I'm going through and meditating and meditating on things that will cause me to come out of the trauma and the pain that I may be experiencing. In chapter 24, I mean, I'm sorry, in chapter uh, 14, I apologize, um, he talks about gratitude, how to appreciate what already is. So basically when I moved and I said uh, chapter uh, 22, that's actually chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14, I'm now talking about gratitude, how to appreciate what already is, where you are, your be right now, what would it be like right now, and you're right here and now, and the benefits of practicing gratitude, not complacency, but gratitude for right where you are on your way to where you want to be and where you need to be. Gratitude's timeless wisdom he says, has been validated by modern science. The effect of gratitude of having a grateful heart has been validated by modern science. So to be grateful, he says, do this. Then he moves on in Chapter 15, and he says, this takes you and sets you in position to be that magical 1%. 1% of the population finds happiness or what they believe to be happiness. That's interesting in a lot of ways. Um, So you are the sum uh, in uh, chapter 16 of your habits. So create good habits and the power of tiny habits and block out your calendar, block out time for yourself. So what's next for you? And he has uh, acknowledgments and notes. And Jim talks about his different keynotes and his master classes that he offers around the world. Now, if you were to think about everything that we've been talking about and everything that's been going on and how you would handle your life and what would you do differently and how would you do your life differently because everything changes, everything changes just in a minute, in a moment, in a second, your life can change. It can change for the better. It can change for the worse. But how you respond, it's up to you. It's up to you. Totally, totally, totally up to you how you want to respond to what's happening, whatever's happening in your life right now. I just want to let you know that it's up to you to realize that the breath that you're breathing right now, no matter how labored it is, no matter how short it is, no matter how difficult it is to breathe right now, if you were to die today, would you be able to lay on your deathbed with no regrets? I know that's a lot to say and that's a lot to put on you for a short period of time, but it is almost 12 o'clock right now where I am, Central Standard Time. But the bottom line is that there's 12 hours left in this day. 
and in each day there is 86,400 seconds in a day. And so that's going to leave us with exactly 43,200 seconds until midnight. And then it will be a new day. So what do you think you can get done in 43,200 seconds remaining in today that will make you happy, make somebody else happy, no matter how small, no matter how great it is, but do something for yourself, something for your family, something for your community. And your community includes your work, organizations, other people, situations. I mean, community. Maybe you can go out and feed the animal. Go go somewhere and buy some bird seeds and feed the birds. That's your community. That's your community. Everything that's here is a part of your community. What are you going to do today with the 43,000 seconds that you have left in the day? What you could do is find your list, piece of paper and a pen, and... Write down something. If it's nothing but one thing, write down something that you're grateful for. And top of my list is I'm grateful to be breathing. I'm grateful to be breathing. I could write that 31 times and be grateful for what. I have right at this moment, and I can breathe. I can breathe. I can breathe. So can you. So while you're still breathing, write down what you can get done with the remaining 43,260. 200 seconds that are left in this day. Forgive so that you aren't a prisoner to someone else or something else. Past, present, future. And remember to live each day. Live each day pursuing happiness. I want to thank Jim for letting me review his book. And above all else, I hope that I will be able to engage him again actually live on the show. And I know that for the most part that this will be an ongoing topic on the show where we will be talking about living each day, okay? And I want to invite you again to go out to YouTube and listen to his TEDx speech and also find him at jimmccarthy.com and to look at his 
LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn, he's Jim McCarthy MBA. On Facebook, he's Jim McCarthy on Happiness. On Instagram, he's Jim McCarthy on Happiness. On Twitter, he is Jim McCarthy MBA. And again, Live Each Day is available on Amazon. And you can get it on Kindle as well. And remember, you can get a free copy. And as a matter of fact, his TEDx talk is on his website. So if you go to JimMcCarthy.com, his TEDx, What Cancer Taught Me About Happiness, is embedded on his website. And also, remember, you can get Chapter 1 for free in an ebook version. And all you have to do is enter your first name at JimMcCarthy.com and your email address and click Submit. And get the book, Live Each Day, A Surprisingly Simple Guide to Happiness by Jim McCarthy. Thank you again for being with us on Patricia E. Adams Live, where we talk about difficult topics and the people, how they've overcome those difficult topics and the situations and circumstances in their lives. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. To reach out to me at Patricia E. Adams Live at gmail.com, and I will be happy to get back with you and discuss how we can go about making that happen. Remember, difficulties in life have no boundaries in regards to age, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, economic situation, or geography. How you respond to it is up to you. Don't be a full-time permanent employee as a victim. It happened. Now we've got to find a way to move into survival mode, into thriving, and then into overcoming. So we're going to change positions. We're going to change our location. We're going to change it first where? In our minds and in our hearts. Forgive somebody. Forgive something. Unshackle yourself. Take the cuffs off get the dead body and the dead weight off of you and know that today is just a new day, an opportunity for you to live and not die. You shall live and not die. And you shall live to overcome. And you shall live to be a change agent in this world. We thank you again. This is Patricia E. Adams signing off. God bless. See you again. Hear you again in the future.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.